0: A very good Monday. Welcome to today's edition of the Maya Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm your host Lori Boyer. In addition to feature agricultural news reports, I'll bring you national and regional agricultural news headlines, and I'll start with regional ag news right after this.
1: Agroplante is the leading manufacturer in specialty products. Agroplante formulates products that rise to the challenge of today's growing conditions. Saline and sodic soils reduce crop yield and cause significant crop losses. Agroplante developed Cat Ion EX5 Plus with growers in mind to manage soil salinity. With multiple years of research, Cat Ion EX5 Plus has proven to be an excellent source of calcium and an effective soil salinity manager. Run it through drip irrigation without any issues. Simplify your application method with innovative and efficient formulations. Alleviate salinity stress with Cat Ion EX5 Plus. Agroplanté, imagination, innovation, science in action.
0: The new director and chief executive officer of the California Walnut Board and the California Walnut Commission, Robert Verloop, who represents 4,600 growers and handlers, maintains that the walnut sector will navigate through the current challenges. He is optimistic about the future of the walnut industry, especially about untapped opportunities in the produce sector. He says final numbers are still pending, but what goes to market will probably be close to 1.4, maybe 1.5 billion pounds. The crop field level production was up from last year but with some major damage. He says some growers are reporting that upwards of 50 percent of their crop had suffered sunburn and sunwashed to the point of non-marketability. San Francisco-based Carbon Robotics, a prominent player in the field of AI-powered robotics, has been named to Fast Company's prestigious annual list of the world's most innovative companies for 2023. Carbon Robotics is being recognized for the development and impact of its state-of-the-art laser weeder, a robot operated by artificial intelligence and computer vision that utilizes lasers to remove weeds efficiently and sustainably. Since its launch in February of 2022, the laser weeder has eliminated more than 500 million weeds, and help growers reduce their weed management costs by up to 80% according to the company. In February of 2022, Carbon Robotics launched the Laser Weeder, a pole-behind robot that utilizes sophisticated AI deep learning technology, computer vision, robotics and lasers to identify weeds and target them for elimination. The Laser Weeder's 30 high-powered CO2 lasers use thermal energy to destroy the meristem of the weed with millimeter accuracy without disturbing the soil or damaging nearby crops. To date, the Laser weeder can weed across more than 40 crops and can add new crop models in 24 to 48 hours. By the end of this year, laser weeders will be actively used on farms in 17 different states and three Canadian provinces. Carbon Robotics continues to rapidly innovate to meet growers' needs, including adding the industry's first laser-thinning capability to its laser weeder. According to the company, laser-thinning targets areas where vegetable crops are purposefully overseeded and then thin for optimal crop spacing, growth, and yield. This is especially important for farmers growing lettuce, leafy greens, broccoli, and other crops. Pacific Trellis Fruit, based in Los Angeles, the owner of the Lencia brand, has promoted two of its team members to leadership roles. Rob Markle has been promoted to the newly created position of Vice President of Sales for the Melon Division, and Dan Carpella Jr. to Vice President of Sales for the Fruit Division. These promotions reflect the organization's strategy of delivering partner value, growth, and reputation as a market leader. Rob and Dan are both proven sales leaders who have shown time and again the ability to bring creative offers and solutions to their customer base, maximizing returns to growers, and going above and beyond for the organization, according to Josh Leichter, CEO of Pacific Trellis Fruit. He said in their new roles, they will further impact the service levels they provide customers with and lead the sales teams in their respective categories. After several weeks of unique, record-breaking winter storms, California is anticipating another super bloom this spring, which is a rare phenomenon when southwestern deserts and hills are carpeted in brilliant wildflowers. Super blooms only trigger under precise conditions, but the explosion of blossoms can be so intense that splotches of orange and yellow are visible from space. These events, which usually peak in late March, can feature everything from desert dandelions to evening primrose to lavender lupine and, of course, plenty of apricot-colored California poppies which is the official state flower. While not technically a botanical term used by plant experts, super blooms are a popular trending topic on social media with hundreds of thousands of posts on Instagram and TikTok depicting lush meadows teeming with flowers. The last California super bloom was in 2019. The California Dairy Innovation Center will be holding upcoming sessions this spring and summer as part of its 2023 training programs for processors, producers, entrepreneurs, and students. The courses, which will have no prerequisites, will be held at a variety of California locations and are open to all participants. The first session is Advanced Cheese Making. It'll be April 11th and 12th in collaboration with Cal Poly San Luis Obispo at the Dairy Products Technology Center at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. This course will include extensive hands-on cheese making in the pilot plant and we'll focus on feta fresh and farmers cheese italian and global cheeses and then the second session will be hispanic cheeses production characteristics and utilization And it will be on June 21st and 22nd in collaboration between Cal Poly San Luis Obispo and Fresno State University at the Dairy Products Technology Center in San Luis Obispo. Attendees will learn about the main varieties of Hispanic cheeses as well as their manufacturer characteristics and applications through hands-on cheese making. For more information on any of the upcoming sessions, log on to CaliforniaDairyPressroom.com.
2: Pollination for almonds and pistachios is becoming more and more challenging in the current age of agriculture due to pollinators disappearing and cross-pollination being affected by climate change, among other factors. Thus, new strategies are needed to achieve the level of production required by domestic and global food needs. At the Pistachio Growers Annual Conference in February, Ed Serber with EDIT explained a unique method the company is employing to address pollination challenges.
3: The supply of bees, uh, for example, has been on the decline. Uh, and then you have more and more growers planting more and more almonds in, in the state of California in, in particular. And so when you have more acreage that requires uh, bees to pollinate them with a declining bee population, then what naturally happens is the price of the bees go up. And so. It's becoming uh, much more costly, much more challenging for almond growers to get these bees to then pollinate their, their trees. So uh, with insect um, pollinated crops, you just you're just the the supply of the insects is decreasing basically as we're as we're increasing the the, uh, the acreage. Um, that's with, with with insect pollinated crops. With both uh, wind and insect pollinated crops, there's another issue which. Uh, we call a desynchronization. And des- desynchronization, if, uh, uh, if people are not aware, is basically uh, whether you have um, a crop where it's uh, what we call a self-pollinated type of variety, right, where the flowers um, can pollinate each other on the same tree, uh, or you have uh, a crop where it takes two a male tree and a, and a female tree in the case of pistachios. Um, well, if those, if those flowers don't bloom at the same time, then the male pollen... Won't make it to the female tree and so therefore you're not going to have any sort of pollination occurring Again, the reasons why desynchronization occurs is kind of very varies with different crops um, but What we what we can do because we are we are coming into um, uh, An orchard with machines and we're mechanically pollinating with with good healthy viable pollen that we've har- harvested from previous uh, seasons uh, and then stored we don't have to worry about bees. We don't have to worry about um, wind. We don't have to worry about the flowers blooming together at the same time. So we we are providing another alternative or a solution uh, to a grower uh, to to basically increase their chances of having a, a good a good vi- you know good healthy crop. So um, so really it's um, you know with the insects the decline of insects the cost the cost of getting the insects in particular bees. And then uh, the sort of desynchronization challenge is an issue as well.
2: Clearly, a complex problem that requires a complex solution. While applying pollen by hand isn't anything new, the method of harvesting and storing pollen for application is, and it's what allows this alternative method to be viable in an orchard setting.
3: It's very, very important to not only collect it in a in a uh, a way that we. Um, Preserve it. We want to make sure that we're we're collecting it, preserving it, but then we can maintain the preservation. We want to make sure that the pollen is alive and well, so that when we go to apply it to the uh, to the flower, that it's ready to do its job. So the first the first bit of technology that's uh, that our company is has identified and developed, um, which is proprietary to us, is that collection and that storage methodology. Uh, I'm happy to get into sort of a little bit of the details if if uh, if you'd like to today. The second part is applying the pollen. Again, we have we there's there's been several people in the past uh, mechanically pollinate uh, a lot of growers, especially in the pistachio um, uh, crops. They've used or they've seen other uh, other organizations come out with some of these blowers, like really just almost like a backpack blower. You probably heard of these before, but loading pollen in and kind of blowing it all over the trees, um, you know, and it can be effective. But if you don't have good, healthy, viable pollen, then it really sort of not really not really adding much value. What we have done on the application side is that what our machine does is we're we, we are essentially blowing the pollen onto the trees, but we do it in a way that it, we, we we like to call, we're doing it precisely. So we actually can control either fractions of a gram or you know grams per tree. And that is part of the design of our machine that we pull through um, the orchard behind a tractor. Uh, on top of that, we are electrostatically charging the pollen, which, uh, if you know a little bit about uh, electronics or electrical sort of circuits in general, if you have a positive charge and a, and a, negative, a negative charge, then the two want to meet together. It's like if you rub your socks on the carpet and then you shock your brother or your sister. <laughs> um, same idea. So we're actually positively charging the pollen and the tree is grounded in the earth. And so the idea is that that pollen will go find the, the flower and then, and then uh, increase the likelihood of germination to occur. So those two things kind of in unison collecting and preserving the pollen um, for really as long as we need to uh, so that we can bring the pollen to the tree at the right time um, in the field, and then the application itself so that we're doing it in an efficient and precise manner.
2: As for how efficacious the method is, Cerber said that in almonds,
3: five to 10% yield increases is what we saw, um, even on as high as uh, 25 to 30% increases in yield. Uh, pistachios, um, uh, we're now going into our third season of pistachio pollination, and uh, in every single case, again, we're seeing anywhere from, with pistachios, it's a little bit easier actually to pollinate pistachios, it's a wind pollinated crop. Uh, somewhere around the 10% on the low end, up on upwards of uh, 25, 30% on the high end. So it's, um, it, it's working quite well. Uh, we're very, very um, pleased and proud of what we're doing. We're, we're really trying to, again, just trying to provide another tool uh, in the toolbox, if you will, of, of a grower, right? I mean, there's there's so many things that it seems like everything there's everything uh, everything Mother Nature can do to to make it, to make something not happen in, in farming. Uh, we're just we're trying to trying to make it a little bit easier, right, uh, uh, for the grower. So
2: important to note is that the method is not replacing the traditional wind or insect pollination methods. For almonds or pistachios, rather, it's aiding the process to create a more complete pollination and product.
3: A lot of different growers have different sort of methodologies, different sort of ways they're doing it. But on average, the industry is using about two hives per acre. There's a cost associated with that. Uh, with almonds, what we're trying to do is say we're not we're not trying to replace bees. We're trying to um, again be another another alternative or another option to either. If you want to replace the bees, that's fine. If you want to just supplement what the bees are doing, the bees love them. we come in and spray pollen all over the place because they get crazy, they get hungry, they go after it, right? So it actually increases the likelihood that the bees going to pollinate their trees in addition to just what they're doing on their own, because uh, we're bringing in pollen, uh, blow, you know, blowing it on the trees, and, and so it's it's helping with that. So with almonds, um, the idea is to supplement, um, we or replace. I mean, depends on what the growers looking at wanting to do. Um, but supplement that insect pollination uh, methodology. On the pistachio side, being a wind-pollinated crop, we're, again, supplementing wind, right? We're not, we're not going to replace wind, of course, right? If, if wind does its job, it's going to do its job. We're just there to add that a little, little bit extra sort of oomph, if you will, right, uh, to increase the chances that we're going to have a good crop set.
2: You're listening to My Ag Life. I'm Taylor Charlstrom.
0: In National Agricultural News Now, recent winter weather and labor availability is impacting railway deliveries of grain cars. Farm News reporter Michael Clements shares more.
3: One of the main metrics for railway service quality is unfilled grain car orders, the number of cars a shipper ordered but didn't receive. Danny Munch, American Farm Bureau Federation economist, says the data shows shippers are waiting a long time to get the grain cars they need.
1: So far in 2023, average weekly unfilled grain car orders one or more days overdue have numbered over 16,000 a week. That's up 54% from last quarter and 54% the same magnitude from quarter one of last year. Of those record unfilled orders, one or more days overdue. Almost 75 percent remain 11 or more days overdue.
3: Munch says winter weather is the biggest challenge currently.
1: Most of the issues we're seeing in unfilled orders are concentrated in the upper Midwest in states like North Dakota and Minnesota. The region has faced intense snowstorms in the first part of the year, which makes moving those cars more difficult. Those weather events are usually more short term, and we hope those subside as spring comes along.
3: Munch adds labor is another hurdle for railways.
1: Most railroads are still below pre-pandemic employment levels by about 3 to 5 percent, which makes it difficult for them to increase capacity. Luckily, though, those numbers are still getting better, still better than the 10 percent below that they were about a year ago. And in order to improve service quality, they really need to be fully staffed and growing. Read more on the Market Intel page at FB.org. Michael Clements, Washington.
0: Doug McCallop is busy in his role as chief agricultural negotiator with the U.S. Trade Representative's Office and talked about some of his top priorities.
4: The first focus would be on keeping markets we have open. A lot of work has been done over decades of opening those markets in the first place. And our number one priority is to make sure that farmers continue to enjoy that market success. Number two, expanding where possible in the areas where we can increase volumes to those trading partners or maybe increase the number of products. That's certainly a second and very important area of focus for us at the White House.
0: Opening up new markets to U.S. goods is another one of his most important priorities, he says. And one of the biggest jobs at USTR is bringing down tariffs and opening up more access to foreign markets like India.
4: On February 2nd, India announced several changes to its tariff structure that are pretty significant for agriculture. Firstly, they reduced the pecan tariff by 70%, which was a very significant step. Secondly, India also eliminated its tariff on industrial ethanol, which, as we know, is a very important marketplace as U.S. grain and row crop producers look to export biofuel around the globe, not just for industrial purposes, but for certainly transportation and most recently for aviation.
0: And he says the U.S. is also making progress in the European Union. Global food costs moved lower again for the 11th consecutive month. The Financial Post says while consumers are still spending more on food, prices are at their lowest level in the last 17 months. The UN Food and Agricultural Organization's food price index dropped 0.6% in February, the longest string of lower food prices in 30 years. The index averaged 129.8 points last month, dropping from 130.6 in January. Last month's drop was driven primarily by cooking oils and dairy. The overall index is down 19% from a record set last year when Russia's invasion of Ukraine disrupted grain exports around the world. 2022 will go into the books as the third costliest year for weather disasters in U.S. history, The estimated total economic losses reached $165 billion. New analysis by the American Farm Bureau Federation economists show that extreme weather caused more than $21 billion in crop losses. The impact on American farms and ranches demonstrates the importance of farm bill programs to help rural communities recover from weather-related disasters. The AFBF Market Intel report says more than $11 billion in losses were covered by existing risk management agency programs as of February of 2022. Over $10 billion in losses were not insured through the RMA and existed outside of policy coverage levels or didn't qualify under an existing risk management program. It's not hard to see why programs like crop insurance and disaster coverage are vital to the livelihoods of farmers and ranchers and the overall stability of our country as a whole, according to AFBF President Zippy Duvall. A former U.S. national security advisor told the House Select panel investigating the Chinese Communist Party that the CCP may be infiltrating U.S. farm interests. It didn't start with a Chinese spy balloon. H.R. McMaster says the long lines of CCP infiltration of U.S. corporate and farm interests may have been launched earlier and deeper than many think.
1: The, the commercial aspect of this is often tied to the United Front Work Department, an arm of the Ministry of State Security, which forms. Organizations that that look innocuous, that promote U.S.-China dialogue and and economic discourse in the area of agriculture, in in particular in the American heartland.
0: McMaster told the House Select Committee on U.S. Competition with the CCP that these groups co-op and coerce U.S. entities.
1: Those are organizations that are designed to advance the the PRC's uh, agenda. And then, you know, co-option, coercion, and then to conceal all of this as just normal business practices
0: possibly including spying Washington Congressman and Farmer Dan Newhouse.
3: Entities associated with the PRC as well as the CCP have made and continue to make investments in U.S. agricultural land and assets. Some of the proposed purchases are in close proximity to national security assets
0: prompting some lawmakers to enact better reporting of foreign U.S. farmland buys and propose including USDA on the Committee on Foreign Investment in the U.S., which is the committee that reviews national security concerns. Another bill would bar the farm credit system from lending to foreign investors in U.S. farmland. JCS Marketing is your number one way to connect with the ag industry. Through print magazines, digital media, podcast, and live and virtual events, JCS Marketing has the reach to inform, educate, and influence growers in the Western United States.
1: Everywhere you go, you see West Coast Magazine on the, every one of my customers' tables. So that tells you everything. That's, that, it's there, so they're reading it. Our My AgLife
0: platform includes podcast interviews and digital articles for busy professionals on the go. Our live events, continuing education webinars, and virtual conferences help growers connect with leading researchers and industry leaders. Let JCS Marketing help you connect. That will wrap up today's show. You've been listening to the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm Lori Boyer. From all of us here at the JCS Marketing team, thank you for listening.